Hershimer, what are you doing? Hershimer in trouble. Get back in my bottom drawer, Hershimer. Right now. Hershimer bad. Now, Hershimer, get in there. Hershimer going into drawer. Sorry about that, folks. Let's try this one more time. Hello, Jimbo speaking. launch week. This is the listener-supported Hello, Jimbo Speaking podcast. Today, Jimbo will be sharing another one of his super impactful stories from the front lines of ministry, the next provocative installment of Inside Jimbo's Head, and a brand new regular feature of our show. Hey, Jimbo, why don't you fill our listeners in with the details? Sure, Riri. Today's story from the front lines of ministry is entitled Back Pain and All. It is the story of how one very pain-filled day, Father got me to the juvenile detention center for a very special reason. I am always amazed at how he works. I will also share during the segment Inside Jimbo's Head, the second lesson from the Cultural Christianity versus Kingdom Christianity series. On this podcast, I will be answering the question, what is cultural Christianity? If the last lesson didn't convince you, I am sure this one will convince you that it is a very scary place inside Jimbo's head. However, what I am most excited about today is a new feature of this podcast. Starting today and on every podcast in the future, I will be sharing with you a professionally developed one-minute skit from Lifeline Productions. I like to think of these as a moment for a laugh with a punch. These will usually be right after the Stories from the Front Lines of Ministry segment. I first heard today's skit while driving in my car. I had a hard time driving as I laughed so hard and yet was so impacted by the message. So, Riri, that's about it. Thanks, Jimbo. I know we're all excited to hear another sensational story from your ministry experiences, your next lesson on cultural Christianity versus kingdom Christianity, and the new comedy skit from Lifeline Productions. Hey, Jimbo, what are we going to do with Hershimer? I can't believe he beat you to the phone. I know. That was a first, and I hope a last. I guess we're just going to have to laugh when he acts up. I mean, it's not like he's one of our kids. He's just an old buddy of mine that has been hanging around for far too long in my bottom desk drawer. I guess you're right. You know, yesterday, when I took him for pizza, he made a pass at me. Little old Hershimer? You got to be kidding, Riri. Man, I'm going to have to have a talk with that little guy. Yep, that's right. Little old Hershimer. But it's okay. I thought it was kind of cute. If you say so, Riri. Well, let's get going, okay? Okay, folks. As I said before... This is the listener-supported Hello Jimbo Speaking podcast. Your host is Jim Warren, author, motivational speaker, pastor, teacher, high-risk youth advocate, and youth coach. But most of all, he is an all-around wild and crazy guy. So, 
Without any further ado, from behind a cheap microphone in the Dynamic Life Development Studios. Okay, by now I know you know it's just his spare bedroom. Here's Jimbo! I'm still always amazed at how Hershimer comes up with all that cheering. I am sure he keeps inviting more and more of his buddies into that bottom desk drawer of mine every time we're about to start the podcast. Oh well, it is encouraging to hear cheers instead of boos, because sometimes they do that even louder. I am about to flip on another great story from the front lines of ministry that will hopefully encourage and motivate you. Most of us don't have any idea that if all we do is show up with a listening ear and a soft heart, Father always moves. But first, I need to ask a small favor. Would you be willing to push the subscribe button on the site where you found this podcast? It will help move us into a higher ranking so more people can find us. By pushing that subscribe button, you will also be notified every time I put out a new episode of the Hello Jimbo Speaking podcast. Oh, and while you're at it, check out the support this podcast button as well. Every dime that comes in from this podcast is used to cover my cost in working directly with disconnected higher-risk youth. We are not asking you to break your piggy bank. An ongoing monthly support of either $0.99, $4.99, or $9.99 will keep me off the fundraising circuit and in front of both the young people I invest my life into and behind this microphone bringing you some laughs, some tears, and maybe even some thoughts that can turn your world inside out and upside down. At the end of this podcast, Riri will be telling you about how, by simply subscribing and supporting at the $9.99 level, you will save hundreds of dollars on my classes at Dynamic Life Development University. But hey, I promised you another great story. As I mentioned before, this installment of the Stories from the Front Lines of Ministry is entitled Back Pain and All. Oh, and by the way, right after it finishes, you will hear our first installment of what I call a Laugh with a Punch comedy skit from Lifeline Productions. So please keep listening. those war sounds always get to me. You know, the stories I've told to you, some of them are happy and some of them are sad and some of them are exciting. But today is one of my favorite stories. It had been a long, hard week. I had met in two different communities with the individual youth I had been coaching, three of them twice that week. 
two youth who I had coached a number of years earlier had individually called and asked to meet with me. So, as usual, I met with them, though I had to drive an hour to meet with one. I had also worked long and hard on what, at that time, I thought was my never-ending book. Thankfully, now it has been published. I had also participated in three meetings on potential ministry opportunities. I did some in-house coaching at the Juvenile Detention Center with four youth on Tuesdays and five on Thursdays. By Saturday night, I was exhausted. I am no spring chicken, you know. On top of that, I was also feeling very, very achy. I wondered if I was coming down with something. If that happens, JDC rules don't allow me to come for fear it will spread among the kids. Before I went to bed, I spent time in communion with the Lord and then laid down to sleep. As a last-minute quick thought, I asked Father to make me strong and healthy so I could be with my JDC kids the next day. When I awoke, I felt great. Then I made the big mistake. What mistake? The mistake of getting out of bed. Some of you older people will relate to that statement. I do not understand what happened, but as I lifted myself off the bed, my back went out. Man, I thought, this can't happen today. Today is my time to teach the JDC kids. I tried to get ready for church and JDC. I was in pain. Yet I decided even if I have to sit in a chair at JDC, I was going. I felt a real urgency not to give in to the pain. In the back of my mind, there was this constant thought, you have to go today. I took two muscle relaxers and gingerly crawled into the car. It was way too late to make church, but I pushed on to the juvenile detention center with that continued thought, you have to go today branded on my spirit. When I got out of the car at JDC, it was still an effort. I went into the multiple purpose room and talked with the older group. There had been a big shift in the population since the previous Sunday. None of these youth knew me. Sometimes, in times like that, it takes me sitting in the multi-purpose room watching TV with them or playing cards. It was no surprise to me that none wanted to come to class. When I went to let the younger group know that I was there, it was the same case. I thought, wow, maybe I can go home and rest my back. Suddenly, two popped up and said, we'll go, Jimbo. I have to admit the thought passed through my mind. Only two? You see, very rarely do I ever only have two youth in my classes. I didn't have a great attitude as I walked towards the classroom. Man, Lord, all that urgency for just two? As that word went through my mind, Father reminded me of the parable of the lost sheep. The good shepherd went after the one. With that reminder encasing my spirit, my attitude changed. We settled into the classroom. As I was wiping down the chalkboard, there was a knock on the door. Hey, Jimbo, can I come in? I didn't remember seeing this young man. Did you ask the DOs? Yep, they said okay, if it was okay with you. Sure, come on in. The class went well. In fact, once I started teaching, the pain actually left my back. The young man who asked to come in at the last minute was one of the most interested guys I could remember. He tried to answer every question I asked and never took his eyes off me. I always let the young people know I am available to meet with them one-on-one -on -one after class. 
When class ended, the last minute kid asked to meet with me. We sat down in the interview room and I asked in my usual way, what can I do for you today? After I asked that question, it was impossible to get a word in edgewise. I am so glad you came today, Jimbo. I knew you came on Sundays and I had to meet with you. Last night in my cell, I gave in to God. Gave in to God? I asked when he stopped to take a breath. What do you mean by that? I knew what I would mean by that, but I have learned over the years not to take things for granted when it comes to my kids and their understanding of the gospel. The young man got a big smile on his face. I have been fighting with God for a long time now, Jimbo. The last time I was in, I came to your class. I remember you saying that becoming a Christian was more than praying a prayer. You said you had to really let God change your life. I remember what you said about Jesus suffering and dying on the cross. I also remember you saying you can't accept him just to go to heaven or to get a better life. You also said salvation is free, but it changes you so deeply, you have to consider the cost of a new way of living. Yes, I said that, was my surprised reply. I couldn't believe he remembered all that. Well, I met with you last time, and you said if I wanted to live for Jesus, I had to answer some tough questions. You called them counting the cost questions. You went over a few of them with me. They really sounded radical. I didn't know how to answer. You suggested I think about it for a while and that we would talk again next time you came in. Now the light bulb went on over my head. I remembered this young man. He wanted to accept Jesus so he could stay out of JDC. Many know I do not follow the typical evangelical pattern when someone wants a relationship with God, no matter what their reason. I always have them struggle through hard questions in the same way Jesus did when someone wanted to follow him. The just pray this prayer formula leads to easy believism. Far too many have just prayed that prayer to get out of hell or to have a better life. The one thing I know is that never leads to a life of discipleship or biblical results. The kid continued. Well, the next day I went to court and they sent me home. I never got to see you again. Over the next few days, I thought and thought about what you had said. My struggle was to allow God to control my life. I mean, I know the things I want to do he would never want me to do. I smiled. You see, that was my hang up when I struggled about becoming a disciple of Jesus. So what happened, I asked. I eventually stopped struggling and kept doing things my way. Even though those questions of yours kept coming to mind, Living like that got me into more trouble. Last night, right here in JDC, when I was alone in my room, all I could do was struggle with the questions you asked me. I realized that following Jesus is radical, but living the way I have been living would get me nowhere. So last night, I talked with God. What did you say, I asked. For the next 15 minutes, this young man poured out his heart to me in the same way he had poured out his heart to Jesus. He understood the facts about Jesus. He understood he could do nothing to earn salvation. However, he also understood repentance and redirection. With a huge beaming smile on his face, this young man said, the last thing I did was ask God if he would send you in today so I could talk with you, Jimbo. I have to admit, one more tear formed in my eye. Why? That still small voice deep inside said, 
Now you know why you had to come today. I continued talking to the young man. You know, my friend, the decision to become a Jesus follower is a very big step. Do you know the next biggest step? What is it, Jimbo? Following through with someone who can train you to live all that Jesus taught. For the next 30 minutes, we talked about that next step. Finally, he looked me straight in the eye. Will you train me, Jimbo? This has happened many times before, but still, one more of those small tears formed in my eye, as it often does when I see the Holy Spirit at work. Oh, and by the way, my back? It never hurt again from that morning's incident. I'll be back in a moment. newest book, Communing with the Trinity, A Doctrine Experienced in Reality, is now available at dldpublishing.com as well as on Amazon. And get this, it is a two-volume book filled with Jim's unique perspective on the Christian life. However, that is not the heart of this book. Jim also includes practical exercises to help his readers do more than just fill their heads with more knowledge. Here is what Jim has to say about this book. My purpose in sharing this book, complete with the communion wheel, is not to add more discipline to the life of a Jesus follower. It is not to teach people to have a more effective prayer life. It is not to transform worship. My purpose is not to set people free from the temporal power of sin, nor to bring them into authentic communities of communion. All these things will happen as one learns to commune with the Trinity. However, at its heart, my purpose is to bring us back to the true substance of communion and community with the persons of the Trinity. This is the crucial application of this key doctrine of Christian orthodoxy. Here is where new life starts. Here is where new life sustains. Here is where the life of the carnal Christian transforms. Here is where the power for life, godliness, and ministry develops. Here is where all Christ won finds its beginning and its completion in those disciples who seek his face. While this two-volume book is filled with biblical teaching from an evangelical perspective, of course with Jim's special twist, it's not a theological book. As he walks you through the pages of these volumes, Jim shares with you the very pragmatic steps which he followed while learning to live in a full, complete, intimate, experiential relationship with the persons of the Trinity. This is not a book to use to gain more knowledge, though you will. This is a practical guide leading you into a way to meet the Trinity in your quiet place and then live and walk in the conscious recognition of their presence. As Jim often says, communing with the persons of the Trinity is the living breath of our eternal life cycle in Christ. So please hop on over or at least click your way over to dldpublishing.com and check out this groundbreaking book for yourself. You will also find Jim's other books for sale at dldpublishing.com. Oh, and by the way, all profits from this and all Jim's books go to support his ministry to disconnected higher risk youth.
I'm not supposed to tell you this yet, but at the end of this show, I will share with you how to get a 25% discount on the already discounted price for this book at DLDpublishing.com. So keep listening. Agent X, your next mission will require a special weapon. Like this telephone here that's really a camera? Oops, I meant this telephone over here. No, on your next mission, you will battle the enemy unseen. Oh, jungle warfare, huh? Not to worry. I know Fujitsu. hey yeah. That was my desk. Oh, sorry. Right. No physical weapon can touch this enemy. You need this. Ah, a seemingly harmless Bible. It is a Bible. Study it. Know it. Oh, I bet there's a small explosive device inside, right? No. A gun? No. A knife? It's a Bible, and it's more powerful than any weapon we could give you. You know... Agent P got a tank shaped like a Porsche. Sure I don't need one of those? This book is your best defense. It provides everything you need. Read it. Your life depends on it. Dick gets a watch that's a fax machine, and I get a book. Agent X? I'm reading, sir. I'm reading. Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. We are about to take a trip into Jimbo's head and heart. First, however, I want you to think back to the story from the front lines of ministry. Wasn't that great? When we are open and connected with Father, He always gets us right where we need to be. I really had some interesting times discipling that young man. And the comedy skit? I hope you really enjoyed it. You will hear more from Lifeline Productions on the next podcast. However, I hope you did more than just laugh. But before we go into that, I would like to share something that has recently changed. I will not be able to launch the Dynamic Life Development University for approximately six months. You know the saying, the best laid plans of mice and men? When I first started developing this podcast and the DOD University, I had no idea how much time it would take to first get me up to speed and then write, video record, edit, and coordinate all the aspects of each lesson for this online school. I am dedicated to bringing you not only the most up-to-date information, but also a way to internalize everything you are learning. A head full of information will never revitalize contemporary Christianity, will it? To do all that takes 10 times longer than I expected. As a result, Jimbo bit off more than he could chew. However, if you support my work with the kids and subscribe to this podcast, I can still work out the discount when DLDU is launched. Riri will tell you more about that at the end of this show. But please, do not just support this podcast for what you will receive please begin to immediately support us for the sake of the disconnected higher-risk youth I minister to every day who need someone who will move beyond professionalism and be willing to invest their life in them. Thanks so much. with the announcements. Let's get down to the business of turning our lives inside out and upside down. And by that, I mean my life as well as your life. I'm on this journey right alongside you. 
Now, you will remember that on the last episode of Inside Jimbo's Head, we took a serious look at the condition of the modern American church with an emphasis on evangelicalism. I hope that shook you in the same way it shook me as I began to understand these realities. However, many leaders who have heard these facts, as I said before, keep doing the same things expecting a different result. Now, even though we can't attribute the idea that that is the definition of insanity to Einstein, it doesn't take a theoretical physicist to understand that the insanity caused by those actions in the modern Christian church is why things have only progressively gone downhill. The most disturbing part to me is how many leaders attribute the downward spile of modern Western American Christianity to the idea that the people to whom they minister are not being receptive enough or serious enough about the gospel they preach. Time and time again, they attribute the problem to the people not being theologically deep enough to understand the fullness of the gospel. When researching these things, I saw over and over again how modern Western leaders always attribute our problems to incorrect doctrine or insufficient doctrinal understanding. If just they paid attention to our preaching and teaching. As you will see in future podcasts, the fact that preaching and teaching have become exclusively synonymous terms with ministry is one of the reasons for the loss of effectiveness in the church with both Christians and non-Christians alike. If correct doctrine and theological understanding were the key answer, leaders, who are steeped in doctrine and theological understanding, should be living lives in conformity to the life of Jesus. You and I both know, as do honest leaders, they do not excel in this any more than many of the people in the pews. So what do they do? They double down on teaching and preaching and come up with excuses why Christians will never live in conformity to Jesus and keep the commandments and teachings of Jesus and his early disciples in this age. You know, not until Jesus returns. However, I am not picking on church leaders. In reality, many people in the church point their fingers at the leadership for the problem in the modern church rather than looking deep into their own lives. Truthfully, many of the so-called average Christians, especially in what has been labeled the seeker-friendly churches, have little if any understanding of the teachings of Jesus and his early followers. Often when talking about the commands of Jesus in the New Covenant, such people ask, What commands? Those were in the Old Covenant, not the New One. We are under grace, not the law. If they do acknowledge the commands of the New Covenant, they dismiss them with a quick, Well, I try my best, but at least I know I'm going to heaven. So here we sit, pointing fingers at each other, playing the blame game, while the Titanic sinks. Now you may ask, But Jim, what can I do about it? You may be asking that question if you are in leadership or sitting in the pew. Oh, and by the way, the idea of sitting in the pew is a big part of the problem as well. But we will wrestle that alligator another day. By now, you should know my answer to the problem. Remember this? The radical redirection of relational realities required for the revitalization of contemporary Christianity, its citizens and communities, one person at a time. 
got a bad feeling about this. See, I told you they like to boo me, and they do it louder than they cheer. Once again, they do that every time they think I'm getting too intellectual. Oh well, let's get back on track. Now, we have previously talked about this purpose statement for these podcasts in the DLD University. I believe the answer is a redirection of our relationships, but not just any redirection, but a radical redirection of them, which brings about a radically new lifestyle for the average modern American Christian. The radical redirection I speak of is first and foremost all about our vertical relationship with Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it also goes for the kind of relationship a radical relationship with them works between us Christians and also those not in Christ. Yet before we get to a more stable understanding of the solution, we must first look at two key concepts. One deals with the problem and the other the solution. Cultural Christianity, which causes the problem, and Kingdom Christianity, which brings the solution into focus. Today, we will take a general look at what constitutes cultural Christianity, and then, if we get done with it, on the next episode, we will take a general look at what constitutes kingdom Christianity. After one other episode where I will try to bring these two concepts together in a way that helps us understand how we are to relate to our native culture— we will begin to break down specific differences between cultural Christianity and kingdom Christianity. Let's put on our waders and walk a little deeper into the water. To understand cultural Christianity, we must first look at the meaning of the word culture. There seems to be as many definitions for the word culture as there are anthropologists, social historians, and theologians. Here is a couple I have come to use to bring about some clarity. Anthropologist E. Adamson Hobie defines culture in this way. Culture is the integrated system of learned behavior patterns which are characteristic of the members of a society and which are not the result of biological inheritance. In an interview with Life Science, anthropologist Christina DeRosa added these remarks for our understanding of culture. Culture encompasses religion, food, what we wear, how we wear it, our language, marriage, music, what we believe is right or wrong, how we sit at the table, how we greet visitors, how we behave with loved ones, and a million other things. She also goes on in that article to show how the word culture comes from the concept of cultivation. Thus, a society's culture is how people grow together and bring up the next generation. With that said, I have come to think of culture as that big, comfortable chair. That chair you like to sit in because in that chair you feel comfortable, safe, and at peace. That chair becomes your spot. You claim it as Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory claimed the one end of the couch as his, and no one dares even touches that spot, let alone sits on the cushion. This understanding helps us comprehend why people go through culture shock if they move from one culture into another. It also helps us understand why immigrants often live in enclaves and continue to practice their native cultural heritage. It also tells us why Christians cling so tightly to their native cultural ways when they become members of the kingdom culture, but more on that in a few episodes. 
So now let's begin to look at the American culture, for this is the native culture for most of us listening to this podcast. The one given aspect of culture is that culture always changes. There may be some aspects that remain constant, but the overall direction and especially the way people perceive things often change. This is true of the American culture at this time in history. In fact, at this time in history, America has already moved in its underlying values from its fundamental modern culture to a postmodern culture. Because the present-day church has been morphed by the modernistic American culture, and the concept of universal truth is common to both biblical Christianity and the modernistic thinking, but not the postmodern thinking, this change is sending many conservative Christians, especially evangelical Christians, over the edge. In modern culture, which finds its roots in the Enlightenment age, human reason and science reign supreme. Reason is seen as transcendent over any human history or culture and is considered universal in its scope. Modern American culture is based on the premise that human reason and human freedom are intrinsically linked. The strongest of all modernistic premises is that reason will lead to universal truths that all cultures will or at least should embrace. In fact, universal truth exists independent of human consciousness, according to the modernistic thinker. Walking right alongside that premise is the premise that reason, along with its child, science, can help us overcome all conflicts. Not just some, but all. Thus, it is reason that moves towards a progressive movement ushering in a civilized society of democracy, freedom, and scientific advancement. Now, it does not take the great mind of the greatest philosopher to understand that these concepts were the basis for forming the nation of America and quickly became the foundation of its culture. There have been many nuanced changes within the history of the American culture and cultural behaviors different from region to region. However, modernistic thinking was not just the common view of our founding fathers, but has remained deeply ingrained in the psyche of the American cultural reality until the great cultural shift which came to a head in the last decade of the 20th century. Okay, okay, I can hear it right now. I can see the steam coming up from some people's collars, and I can almost see your head begin to spin. I know that doesn't ring true to many of you. Modernistic culture, Enlightenment age, as the basis of the founding of America? I know you think it was the Bible, and to some extent it was. But the basic way our key founding fathers thought was based on modernistic concepts. We will get into that a little bit more later on. But hold on, we have to talk about a few more things about cultural Christianity before I end this episode. Because we are looking at culturized Christianity from an American perspective with an emphasis on evangelicalism, not liberalism, we will not discuss the postmodern thought in this podcast. Why? As I stated recently, modernistic thinking has influenced and in many ways given birth to our culturized Christianity. Now, evangelical Christianity holds few of the values of modernistic thinking. 
but we will soon see just how deeply it has impacted the way evangelicals, as well as others, deal with both Scripture and the Church. Of course, in future episodes, we will look at each of these areas, along with others, in a more detailed way. Many perspectives make up American culture. As I researched this subject over the years, I have found that many confuse values and thought patterns with beliefs and behaviors. This is why in lists of what constitutes the American culture, you find a hodgepodge of seemingly disconnected ideas. However, at the top of almost every list is a key value, which I now consider the loom that sets the pattern of thought for most of what Americans believe and the consequential behaviors coming from those beliefs. By the way, those consequences of this American cultural value has been very beneficial for most Americans. However, it has been devastating for American Christianity, including evangelicalism. This value, this thought pattern, is the concept of individualism, with self-reliance and self-sufficiency serving as the main appendages growing out of its core. In the course on cultural Christianity versus kingdom Christianity at DLD University, we will take a deeper look at individualism and other values of American culture and how they impact American Christianity. But for now, Let's just take a big, deep breath and review what I've already said in this episode before we move forward. I know this episode may have sounded a little deep, but I think this review will help bring everything into perspective. First, from the last episode, I reminded you of the very dangerous state in which the church, including evangelicalism, finds itself. I also reminded you that both people in leadership and the average Christian either ignore these facts or make excuses for them without searching for their cause and the solutions to this downward trajectory of the church. We just keep doing the same old, same old as things move progressively into a more dire situation. Alarmingly, we often blame these things on the sin-filled human condition as a cheap substitute for making uncomfortable changes, biblical changes called for by Jesus and his early followers. After that, I reminded you of what I consider the answer, the radical redirection of our relationships with both God and each other, leading to a new radical spiritual and practical lifestyle for the average American Christian. I then pointed out that cultural Christianity is the problem, and kingdom Christianity brings the solution into focus. The next few steps in which I took us dealt with defining the concept of culture. First, I gave you two strong definitions, one from Hobie and another from DeRosie. In the Hobie definition, you need to focus on the fact that culture is a system of learned behavior patterns. The system is not a biologically inherited system, but one developed and passed down by people to people. In DeRosie's definition, we discovered that culture is made up of a large number of behavior patterns and form the traditions used to cultivate how people interact with each other, thus cultivating the same behavior patterns in the next generation. Then I shared with you a simplified way to look at culture. I see it as that big, comfortable chair. You know, that chair where you sit and feel comfortable, safe, and at peace? 
By using that analogy, I hoped it would help you understand why people go through culture shock when moving into a new culture, why immigrants gather in enclaves, and why people have a hard time transitioning from their native culture into the culture of the kingdom of God if not focused on the spiritual realities of that kingdom and entering it through repentance. Next, we looked at how culture always changes and how the American culture is in the traumatic time of having its foundational cultural way of thinking transformed into another way of thinking. Our previous pattern of cultural thought has been with us since the founding of America. This new cultural foundation is the complete opposite of the first and is beginning to develop new cultural behavioral patterns in lifestyles, politics, and even religion. This has led to the same culture shock for many conservatives, both religious and political, as a person moving from one distinct culture into another. We fight not to be knocked out of our comfortable, safe, peaceful chair. I then pointed out how America's basic cultural way of thinking, which was established at its founding, was part of what historians have labeled the modern era. This modern era's way of thinking found its birth long before the founding of America from what historians label as the Age of Reason, which was also known as the Age of Enlightenment. We then looked at these basic building blocks of modernistic thinking. Number one, human reason and its son, science, reign supreme. Number two, the ability to reason is universal with all humans. Number three, reason will lead to universal truths which all men will or at least should accept. Number four, Reason and science are what bring about an ultimate civilized society by answering all questions and solving all conflicts. 5. A society based on human reason will be a society based on democracy, freedom, and scientific advancement. Finally, I pointed out how both the modern era of reason and Christianity have one key point in common. They both hold to the concept of universal truth, and that that universal truth can be discovered by mankind. This is one key reason why American Christianity has been so quick to adapt itself to the American culture. Oh yes, <laughs> I made one more point. Here is where many of you may have turned off the podcast thinking of me as some liberally-minded crazy. I hope you didn't do that, for I am more conservative in my understanding of Christianity than many, and all these things will come together in the next and subsequent episodes of the Hello Jimbo Speaking podcast. However, I am convinced that the foundation of the founding of America was based on the concepts of reason coming from the Age of Enlightenment. I made my comment on this knowing very well that the thought of humanistic reason being the basis of America's founding and culture will raise the ire of many American Christians who believe it was the Bible and God who were the founding elements of American thought and culture. But hang in there with me. This is not some wild-eyed, crazy idea that will destroy your life in Christ. In fact, it may be just the thing you need to get on track with all the Bible teaches should be happening in your life if you are in Christ. Okay, speaking of hanging in there with me, we have covered a lot of ground, and I am reminded of an old saying an elder in one of my churches I pastored liked to tell me. 
The mind and the heart can only comprehend what the seat can tolerate. In this case, it might be more applicable if that was changed to what the ears can tolerate listening to. So I think I'm going to call it the end of this episode of Inside Jimbo's Head. I told you it was a scary place, but also a place where I hope you will consider my thoughts. We will continue with this in the next episode. There we will begin to look at some key unique elements of American culture which have grown out of this Age of Reason foundation and clashes with God's kingdom culture. Then, as I said earlier, we will take a look at kingdom Christianity, how we as Christians should interact with our native culture, and then finalizing the series with several episodes which look at specific differences between the American cultural Christianity and kingdom Christianity. So, until the next episode, I want you to spend some time thinking about the issues we have discussed. Let them roll around in your head, or as one very secular professor I once had put it, put them in your pipe and smoke on them for a while. And be sure to come back tomorrow when I release one more Launch Week episode. As I always say, remember, as you live your life in Jesus, go out there and by God's grace, make it a great day that brings honor and glory to Him. Hey, it's Riri coming back at you. Here is the quickest announcement I have ever made. And then I'm going to talk to Hershimer one more time. So keep listening. Jimbo filled you in on the details earlier. DLD University will not launch for another six months. But please, subscribe to this podcast today and become a part of the Jimbo Nation by setting up a monthly donation of only 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99. Remember, if you choose the $9.99 monthly donation, you will get a 75% discount on everything at DLDU, including a lifetime membership. If you wait until after DLDU launches, that discount will drop to 33%. Plus, today I get to announce something very special. During launch week, if you subscribe and support at the $9.99 option, Jimbo will send you a code for a 25% discount on his already discounted most recent book, Communing with the Trinity, A Doctrine Experienced in Reality, at dldpublishing.com. But hey, whether or not you use the discounts, you will be helping Jimbo make a huge difference in the life of some very hurting and misdirected young people. So it really is worth every penny you use to support Jimbo's ministry. Just think, for the price of a venti mocha frappuccino and a couple of chocolate chip cookies at Starbucks, or an ultimate bacon cheeseburger meal and a Dutch apple pie at Burger King, you can help change a young person's life forever. You can tell where I hang out, can't you? (laughs) Finally, Please don't forget to return tomorrow for the next show of our launch week where Jimbo will share another impactful story from the front lines of ministry. Another laugh with an impact one minute comedy skit from the Lifeline Productions and continue his series on cultural Christianity versus kingdom Christianity. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Hershimer will be around as well. Speaking of Hershimer. Hey, Hershimer. 
Come out here and tell the people goodbye. Hey, sugar bear. <laughs> Knock that off, Hershenberg. Even though you are a little cutie. Alright! Crowpug! Okay now. Slow your motor. I see you blushing, little guy. Pull yourself together and just tell the people goodbye. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye.